0: I do think it's safe for these unvaccinated children to be unmasked outdoors unless they're in like a very, very crowded scenario, especially with the heat. I think that's helpful
1: mm-hmm.
0: when it comes to indoor exposures. I'm more selective about my family, um, just, uh, because I want to be considerate, uh, to everyone in our community. And both my kids have been in school communities where, you know, you'd never want to be the one to put the community at risk, um. So uh, I try to limit indoor activities, um, but I think you have to decide, you have to think about the risks and the benefits. So when it comes to like seeing my my kids' cousins who they haven't seen much in the last two years, Mm -hmm. like I I will accept some risk of exposure to allow them to play indoors um, because I think it's worth it. Uh, So as parents, we have to kind of make these decisions as best we
1: can with the evidence and the information we have access to. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Dr. Kelly Freiden, a pediatrician, mom, and passionate advocate for children's health and wellness. Ever since I got vaccinated, I feel like I'm in total limbo. It's been absolutely amazing to snuggle my nephew, who's now almost one, meet up with friends and give long hugs. I really missed hugs. But I feel paralyzed by all of the decisions about what I can or can't do with Huddy and Brooks, who won't get vaccinated for a long time. Especially my youngest, Brooks, since he's too little for a mask. Can we go to the museum on a rainy day? Can I bring Brooks to the grocery store? How can we be careful even while wading deeper back into normal life? It seems like most of the country has just moved on and forgotten about all of these unvaccinated kids. I'm so grateful I had a chance to pick Dr. Frayden's brain and get her advice on what to do in this next stage of pandemic parenting. When the reality of COVID set in last March, we were all trying to figure out how we were going to cope without childcare, in addition to the stress and anxiety of living through a scary pandemic. Dr. Kelly Fraden, a pediatrician and mother of two, watched many parents panic and wondered how she could help. As we were all bracing, doing less and gearing up for the worse, Dr. Fraden decided to write a book. Parenting in a Pandemic, as a guide to help us all through the unknown. Dr. Fraden remains a reliable source of scientific data-based advice for parents through her Instagram, at advice I give my friends. This episode is full of practical advice and tips for parents trying to navigate trips to the grocery store, playdates, the playground, childcare, cousin visits, and so much more. You have so much incredible advice that you share with families. We are delighted to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I know that many of us over the last year were just trying to figure life out and make things work and put one foot in front of the other. But you, wrote a book (laughs) yes. in a pandemic. How did that come about?
0: Yes, well, so I was working uh, for New York City Department of Health doing school health prior to the pandemic. And when everything shut down in March of 2020, I was really just panicked about what was happening to families um, in my area. And where were they getting their information and everything was changing so fast. And I started sharing um, what I was reading and hearing, you know, from sort of the scientific medical community um, on my Instagram page. And a lot of people were really desperate for good guidance and information. And then in July, I went to send out uh, my first newsletter and I realized I had written 70 pages already about um parenting in a pandemic and i said to my husband you know like i should turn this into a book um and by that point i had taken a leave of absence from my job cuz i didn't have any childcare um like many people um so i decided to write it uh, i wrote it in a month like after my kids were asleep early in the morning <laughs> during the rare movie um and i just got it out there because i, I wanted to do something to be helpful during such a chaotic time
1: Wow, that's incredible. And what were some of the points that you really felt like strongly compelled to share with parents about coping during this time?
0: Uh, You know, I think it's important that parents embrace some of the strategies we try to encourage our children to develop as well, like say, a, a growth mindset. So the idea that every decision we make uh, and everything we do doesn't always have to be perfect as parents that we can just be doing our best and accept that we're, we're still growing and changing. And I think that that is helpful for us in having peace of mind as we go Mm -hmm. through parenting, when resources are constrained, like they are during uh, the pandemic. It's like to be able to accept that sometimes your best is just enough Mm -hmm. is is I think a really important coping strategy and it models for your children that, that sort of behavior. I think another uh, thing I really emphasize in the book is um, mental health, um, which I kind of saw, coming and and was part of the reason I was so concerned is that all the isolation and change and Mm -hmm. fear and uncertainty has created sort of a kind of perfect storm for heightening our anxieties, um, causing anxiety in children and, you know, even variants of like post-traumatic stress or OCD. So thinking about how we can prevent that, identify that and, and sort of parent through that and know when to ask for help. That that stuff's all kind of in the book too.
1: How has your own parenting experience been through the pandemic? How have your children been doing? You
0: know, I, I've been really lucky, I think, because my kids are younger. I, I worry the most about Adolescents and the school-age kids who are very tied to their friendships—how mm-hmm. um, that can be more disorienting. My uh, my kids are three and seven, and so for them, having uh, a lot of time with mom and dad was very exciting during the pandemic. It wasn't really punishing, um, you know. Having less structured activities has has been a gift to them, and having a lot of free free play and it's been good to see their relationship, uh, develop because they've spent so much time together. I, um, I, I do think that they've missed out on a few things I would have wanted them to have, you know, the birthday parties, the music class, those sorts of things. But In the grand scheme of things, like they've been safe and fed and and they've had parents um, able to attend to their needs. So I worry much less about my children than I do about other people in our communities who have really been um, more directly impacted by the pandemic. Losing loved ones or like losing jobs and losing stability in your home. I mean, it's been a very stressful time for so many.
1: And what's been the response from the parenting community?
0: Yeah, it's been really wonderful to connect with so many um, people
1: this pandemic.
0: I've done a lot of speaking for schools and um, a lot of podcasts. Companies have hired me to speak with their employees. Hmm. Um, And and I actually um, am writing another book now um, about um, parenting your child through a challenge. So that will be out in uh, 2023. But the idea is that um, most children at some point have something come up where it's either like a diagnosis of a medical problem or a developmental disability or a learning difficulty, a social difficulty. And and there aren't very many guides for how we parent through the unexpected. So mm-hmm. the idea is to talk about, about how these things impact the rest of your life as a parent and, and siblings in the home and school and friendships and all of these sort of non-medical things
1: what was the inspiration for this new book?
0: You know, this is a book that I've wanted to write for about 10 years. um, And it's what originally got me to come onto social media um, because I was a childhood cancer survivor. um, And so I sort of saw firsthand how it affected my family um, and my mom in particular, you know, the stress of coping with that diagnosis. And, and what I've seen, um, you know, in working in, in the Bronx, in, disadvantaged communities and um, in interacting with some people in Manhattan who have a lot of resources is that um, you know you often when confronted with a challenge as a parent have to like learn the hard way how to navigate the system and how to advocate for your family and it's it's remarkable that having like education or resources like it doesn't help with that Um, And so that's sort of what motivated me uh, to create a resource that I hope will be helpful to a lot of parents.
1: Wow, that's really, really exciting to hear. And what an incredible resource um, to to make available. I think that overall, families, it feels like, are, are feeling a little more hopeful as we turn the corner in the pandemic. But families with young children, like both of us, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Um, There's still a lot of questions about risk with kids not being vaccinated. What advice do you have at this moment in time where we have adults vaccinated and kids unvaccinated?
0: It's a great question. I I find that it's a very disorienting time for most parents because the um, the guidance from the CDC seems to have just like left out uh, young children in, in what they've put out. Um, I know they consider them to be just unvaccinated, but there's a lot, um, a lot more, uh, that I would have liked to have seen from them. And then you see people in the, in the medical community saying like, no more masks, masks are, aren't necessary. And you see some people saying like masks are more important for children than ever. So I think it's really confusing for parents. So what I would say though is that things are improving um mm-hmm. it, it, you know the rates of covid are at the lowest they've been basically since it started um it it's it's really impressive to see how the cases have come down vaccination rates are are up um and it it's very possible that in many of our communities where vaccines have been so so accepted that we won't see other surges of COVID um, unless new variants spread that, um, yes, we'll have like small numbers of cases uh, continuing to crop up we didn't eradicate it. But but when we have 70% of adults being vaccinated, that's really going to limit the spread. So the problem is what makes it even more confusing is that it's not a national a nationally solved problem. So if I'm talking to you in Boston, the advice might be really different than like the advice in Mississippi where like only 37% of adults have chosen to be vaccinated. Um, And and I think that it's very important that people be aware of like their local communities and what's happening there as they think about the advice because that's going to impact your risk directly. It's funny to think about it because we like to think that we control so much about our lives. Mm But in reality, like the community rates of COVID will determine your risk of exposure more so than a lot of your behaviors. I do think it's safe for these unvaccinated children to be unmasked outdoors, unless they're in like a very, very crowded scenario, especially with the heat. I think that's helpful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When it comes to indoor exposures, I'm more selective about my family, um, just uh, because I want to be considerate uh, to everyone in our community. And both my kids have been in school communities where, you know, you'd never want to be the one to put the community at risk. Um, So I I try to limit indoor activities, um, but I think you have to decide, you have to think about the risks and the benefits. So when it comes to like seeing my, uh, our my kids' cousins who they haven't seen much in the last two years, like I, I will accept some risk of exposure to allow them to play indoors um, because I think it's worth it. Uh, so as parents, we have to kind of make these decisions as best we can with the evidence and the information we have access to.
1: And and I think you, you hit the nail on the head just describing how parents, I mean, myself, I feel very confused about and uh, about what to do and what is okay and what's not and having a three and a half year old who can wear a mask but then having a 14 month old who he's not going to be wearing a mask and so that adds like another layer of complexity and um, it was an interesting point that you just made about the local landscape as well and how that's another factor that needs to be considered. I think Families are also just feeling like we want someone to tell us what to do. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I don't want to have to think through all of the different risks and and chances. I would just like some clear guidelines of do this or don't do this. Um, yes,
0: the decision fatigue is a real issue. I, I just think that it's really hard because people have such different risk tolerances and. <laughs> such different um situations with regard to if there's any high-risk people in their lives, that it's really hard for us to give give just out there advice. I mean, I do think that some some indoor play dates with unvaccinated children, where the parents are all vaccinated and the kids are at overall not crazy levels of exposure, uh, I think it's fine. The where you get into trouble quickly is that if people are are like oh, indoor playdates are okay. I'll see 10 different families this weekend. Then that that just becomes like a different mm-hmm. situation. Like the, you know, quickly that becomes um, becomes a problem, I think. So I, I, I do think that you have to use your own judgment. There's just no substitute for it. Oh,
1: you're not giving me like a magic wand that's <laughs> going to give me all the answers. Um, or even, I, I think the other pieces too, like, going into a grocery store, right? Where previously everyone was masked. So you felt maybe a little more comfortable, but now with people being unmasked, that adds another layer of complexity. Um, what, how would you, for your own family, how would you, what would you recommend for, you know, camp or for something like a kid's concert or, you know, a puppet show or something like that.
0: You know, so I've, I've sort of stuck with the the outdoors is, is okay philosophy. Um, That's been my sort of decision hack uh, to make fewer decisions. Like anything outdoors is fine. Um, And that's held true for camp for my kids too. The camp they're going to is um, primarily outdoors and they're only required to mask when they're on the bus or if they go indoors at the camp for some reason. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. You know, the camp is also being pretty thoughtful about not mixing pods of kids or not doing like big, big crowded uh, dance parties with the whole camp or whatever. Uh, so they did the same thing last summer and didn't have any spread. And I anticipate that it'll be the same this year. I feel great about it. Um So other outdoor events, I also would just embrace them. I don't worry about the grocery store um, for my kids because it's a brief exposure. So, um, you know, you you have to remember that to get COVID takes probably about a thousand viral particles. And that's where the whole 15 minutes within six feet came from, is that that's like the estimated... Uh, load you would get if in within that distance for that duration of time so while um while in a crowded grocery store you can imagine maybe there would be someone with covid you know if your rates are as low as like three and a hundred thousand it's relatively unlikely that somebody will be in the store with covid but even if they were if you're not um shopping with them together and like Mm -hmm. within six feet of them the whole time your your risk is still low Hmm. So I I try not to worry about brief exposures um, because I just don't think it's very likely that it'll cause infection.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of those helpful tips um, and even reducing the decision making to um, focusing on outdoor activities, being okay. That takes a, a weight off of I think parents' shoulders to just have one less decision to make, at least.
0: Yes, you know uh, we've got really good data about that. That it seems like the risk of getting COVID outdoors is like one one thousandth of what it would be indoors because of the ventilation and the UV light and and the the, um, everything about being outdoors just makes it lower risk. So I think we should be confident with that. Um, especially when rates in the community are, are sort of low to moderate.
1: Do you have any updates on vaccines for kids? So it's
0: interesting. At uh, the last I heard Pfizer had decided that two to 11, that they'll be going for the FDA uh, emergency use authorization in September, which is great news because originally they had said that that five and under would be separate. But I think what they were doing was they were testing multiple doses in
1: that
0: mm. in that in that two to five age group. And so what happened is I think in the early studies they've picked the same dose for two to eleven, which is why they bumped up and basically are going to go for approval um, for that age group sooner, which is great news because it also could influence school in the fall if they're Mm -hmm. able to get it done in August. Um, you know, we have every reason to think that the vaccine is, is very safe and effective and, um, it would provide, um, it would provide confidence, I think for a lot of, Parents who may be nervous about returning to in-person school to have the ability to get their child vaccinated beforehand, Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be wonderful. So I'm really hoping that that will come through, Um, and I definitely would get it for my own kids once once it's available. I don't think that vaccines under two will be available before the spring of 2022, um, maybe like January or February. Um, But but I think that's okay. I know we want it um, as soon as possible, but when community rates are low and going down still, I, I feel um, I feel confident that um, that those youngest kids will be okay um, waiting for the vaccine to be fully tested.
1: Yeah, I think of my so my littlest. He was born April 2020, um, and so he'll be right on that like cusp of just being shy of the two year cutoff, but, um, oh. uh, which, which feels a little stressful, I think just cause it feels like, Oh, he's so close, but that's, um, really helpful point to think about if the overall, if all the other kids also are being vaccinated, then that's just going to reduce the chances even further. So- do you think now that there have been so many kids who have been in virtual school or haven't been in childcare as families are returning to in-person school settings, um, or childcare settings, what are other factors that families should be considering about that transition period? Right.
0: I think one thing that's important to, um, be cognizant of is sort of the child's energy load. Mm-hmm. Um, because being in in full person, in, in full day education settings can be really draining for young children. It requires like a lot of self-control and discipline and it's very stimulating compared to the home environment. Um, and so uh, if your kids have been home, for a lot of the pandemic and are planning to go back to a full person, full day environment, just to be cognizant that they may be very tired and it may be like a little bit overwhelming on their stamina. Um, and so sometimes parents can help prepare for a successful transition by sort of um, filling up their days uh, with mm-hmm. activities or outings to kind of get them used to being a little bit busier. Or, or on the flip side, maybe you can do half days as you transition in, or just really prepare for after school to be very, um, calm, you know, dinner and early bedtime. Um, but it's important to think about the energy because kids who are overtired tend to struggle a lot more with separation anxiety, Hmm. um, and, and can be very difficult to parent when they're kind of overstretched. So, um. So, if we can set our kids up for success with that, it may make the process more pleasant for everyone involved.
1: Do you think every kid is going to come home with a cold like in the first <laughs> three days of school? Like that's something that I just think about. We've gone this whole time frame with really no colds, no stomach virus, no hand, but mouth, like all of these things that we had lived through and were part of our daily, you know, lives before. It's funny. I've heard from doctors in Texas
0: and Florida where where precautions have been a little bit rolled more rolled back aggressively, and they've very much been like all the gangs back in the hospital. The RSV, the flu, the rhinovirus. E- even though it's off season for a lot of these things, they've seen surges recently as uh, distancing precautions have decreased. So uh, you know, as a pediatrician, it's a little bit sad because to know that we can prevent all the all these infections, you know, it's sad to see them come back and all the suffering they cause. But at the same time, like the benefit of being with each other and being in person is so important and so rich. It's it's going to be what it's going to be. I think the challenge will be, um, especially if children are unvaccinated in these settings. Uh, it's hard to rule out COVID, um, especially like, say the kid has the sniffles day one or a fever day one, and you do a COVID test, it's just not that reliable yet. We know that it's like day three, four, five is when it starts to be more reliable. So it's hard for us to balance um, keeping kids in school as much as possible mm-hmm. with keeping vigilance about testing and protecting our communities against covid so I think that'll be a challenge for for those of us interested in school health to balance those um, those priorities and not be like quarantining classrooms left and right, um, but not be missing COVID and and letting letting it spread on un, unmarked in our school communities. So we'll see how to handle that.
1: Wow. Well, um, switching gears a little bit in terms of thinking about you and how you juggle all of the many hats that you wear you your mom to two kids, you're a doctor, you have an um, thriving social media presence where you're sharing so much advice, you're an author, you have so many things on your plate. How do you make this juggle work?
0: I have to say it's a work in progress. <laughs> I I just went back to work full time, um, in April in a private practice job. Um, and adding that on top of the social media and writing work I was doing has been a lot, um, for my family. And, um, you know, I try to do all the same things that other people do, you know, delegate what I can meal plan in advance, ask for help from my spouse. Um, uh, but I think realistically, I'll just have to hire more help long-term um, to keep it up. <laughs> you, you just, you know, you want to prioritize. I, I want to prioritize the time with my kids. And so whenever, whenever I can delegate um, the tasks that pull me away from that, I, I try to do so.
1: I love that. What advice would you give if you think back to a time when you didn't have your kids? What advice would you give to your pre-mom self? You know, it's a good question. I guess
0: I went straight um, straight from college to medical school to to residency to be a doctor, and um, you know, that's a pretty. It was a pretty like grueling track, and a lot of times I was very focused on um, on my my work, and I probably would have encouraged myself to enjoy my my independence and spend more time with my friends and kind of go out more like, because you lose a little bit of that um, freedom when you have kids right now, you always have to plan ahead. That was one of the hardest things for me about bringing home. My first was like, man, to just go to the drugstore. It takes like 40 minutes of planning. <laughs> it like, I, I, I didn't realize like how, um, how free I had it before. So I would have, would have appreciated that a little more.
1: Oh, I totally <laughs> hear you this morning. I had to go to the dentist and it was like, so much effort to just get us all out of the house like okay, do the kids have you know even are is there sunscreen on because they're probably gonna play outside at daycare right when they get there like um is the breakfast made what's happening here okay oh wait I forgot the car keys like there's just so many moving parts that keeping it all in place to do something simple like the dentist is literally five minutes from my house and I was still late because I <laughs> just couldn't wrangle all the, the the pieces to get out the door you
0: know I, I think it's I, that how ha- the same thing happens to me all the time and I think we just have to be like kind to ourselves because when there are so many balls in the air and so many so many shoes to tie and masks to wear <laughs> like there's there, you're just gonna miss a few sometimes so we just are doing our best
1: <laughs> yes I'll just say that as a mantra I'm doing my best over and over and over <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for spending some time with me today, for sharing all of your your words of wisdom and your advice with all of the the parents who are listening. You know, I think one of the things I love about your advice is it's so research-based and really backed in evidence. Uh, So that's really, really useful for, for everyone listening. Great. Well, so nice to meet you and thanks for having me. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about, so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.